welcome to Death Holler, the place of haunted hearts and haunted homes. We welcome you to Death Manor, the home that boasts the most ghosts. Come on in. We've been expecting you. Take a look around. You might see someone that you recognize. Do you hear those voices? That's just the Reverend Dr. Death and La Arena. They're so happy to see you. Sit back and relax. Make yourself at home. Your new home. And remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you enjoy the show. So what have you been doing lately, Urena? as far as like holiday horror or have you been watching any holiday themed horror movies? No, actually I have actually, yeah, I have been watching holiday horror in the, in the likes of actual holiday rom-coms. They are terrorizing. They're horrible. <laughs> they, they pretty much are. Yes. Are they on Hallmark? That makes them even more horrific. No, but I'm pretty sure that Netflix has actually, they've created their own Hallmark movies and they've pulled some from Hallmark that I had watched and they're absolutely horrible, and I can't get enough of them. So, you know, in terms of actual horror films, no, I will not admit to that. But I did transfer my Halloween decor from the front yard into my upper loft area, and that's my my uh, nightmare before Christmas, if you will, because I refuse <laughs> to put the Halloween away. I, I couldn't do it. I don't feel like I got enough Halloween in my system. Even my um, Christmas village has half of the Halloween, half of the Christmas. It just like transfers over. Well, you spend that much time putting that stuff out. You want to get the most use out of it you can. So I can understand that. 100%. What about you? What have you been doing? I've watched a few films. I I watched the classic Gremlins and (sighs) I have uh, recently watched Scrooged, which is a perennial favorite. And... I think that might be something we might discuss in the next episode, but we'll get into that later. Oh, we um, have to. I watched a new one that I hadn't watched before uh, based upon a recommendation from somebody else. It was a movie called Better Watch Out. It's kind of like a evil version of Home Alone is the best way to say it. Um, kind of remind me of a combination of Home Alone with uh, The Babysitter, the Netflix movie uh, where they... Uh, or they're they're trying to sacrifice the the boy or whatever to to you know Satan and try you know so they can live forever or whatever. But it's 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 reversed. It's kind of a twist on that. Not not necessarily in that way, but it, it's it's got some stuff like that in it. That sounds like something my son would like because he loves horror and he loves Home Alone. Well, they legit pull like, uh, what if Home Alone was real? And they do like the bucket gag where you know Kevin throws the bucket on the rope from upstairs and like hit somebody except in this, since it's a horror version, it mashes their head completely in and kills them. So oh, man, know. see, I was hoping it would like knock their head <laughs> off of their fucking body. Well, they said that it ripped the head off, but I never actually saw that. And it looked like it was just kind of mashed into their head. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, but I was, I was in for the ride. I mean, just imagine, I mean, I hate to spoil this, but I have to, because it's kind of what the gist of the movie is. Imagine if Kevin McAllister, was a sadistic lasso, which he is in the movie, but like more so to the fact that he was had the hots for his babysitter, and he was going to make ever he was going to make her life hell if she didn't give in to his, uh, you know, to his wants and desires. Basically, uh, where did you watch this? 
<laughs> it's on Amazon Prime of all places. Oh my god! Was it one of those free ones, or did you have to rent it? It's it's on their free. Yeah, you you can watch it, and it's. I mean, it's been out for a few years. It was a 2017 movie, and it's highly rated. I was and when it, I was like, where's this movie been at? I'm, I didn't know this thing existed. Hmm, well, I know what the kids are doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I think that's the majority of them. I, I still, I, I got to get to Krampus. I've just not got to it yet, but it's, it's, it's on the docket. You know, we really do need to do an, a news episode because I was looking at what we've sent to each other as of recent. And one of the things I sent was the director was reading, basically, or responding to mean tweets about his movie. And I'm like, really? Like, I wonder how old these <laughs> tweets are. Cause I'm like, if they're new, like y- you need to get over yourself. That, that was <laughs> yeah. a Christmas classic. Yeah, I mean, it's been several years since that movie came out. If they're still like, oh, this movie sucks, man, you know, like, I mean, you need to, you know, just, you need to move on with your life. So that's, I mean, but I did see there's a new horror movie on Netflix called Elves, which is about like evil elves, but like, I don't, I've not watched it yet. I was going to try it out and see how it was. Um, Yeah, I got to look that one up because as soon as you said that, I was thinking, of Krampus, how he had evil elves. Yeah, I don't think it's the exact same thing, but no. I mean, it, it yeah. kind of get. But I mean, I don't know. It, it's I've not really, other than just seeing like the 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 name and kind of like a few snippets, you know, like a few seconds of the you know what it's supposed to be about, like you know, play on the screen before I switched over to the haunting of Hill House. You know, well, <laughs> I mean, the short. What I've, Yeah, the short synopsis says, while spending Christmas on a remote island, a family discovers that the area is populated with terrifying elves. So, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's creepy as fuck, too. Yeah, they they look pretty creepy. I I think it'd be an interesting movie. I'm going to give it a shot. I mean, I've seen, you know, I I saw, you know, the the Krampus movie that we covered last, you know, year and and that one, or Sleigh Bells, I believe the name of that one was, and that was pure dog shit. So it can't be that bad. Oh, my God. And Elves is a TV series. It's not not a movie. Oh, really? Yeah. It's even better. It says season one. So, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Looking at the photos, there is one cute little elf. Um, on there, so I guess it's one of those, hey, you got to watch this to see what's going on. <laughs> um, but th- that's what I've got going on, so I guess with that, cue the music. I'll cue the music. Welcome back to Death Holler. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and annoying the shit out of me by banging on the walls is my co-host and screaming Mimi, La Urena. What's happening, Urena? I'm sorry that I'm not sorry. I, If you didn't ignore me, then I'd probably leave you alone. Probably wouldn't, but... Listen, I'm just trying to, you know, rest, trying to get some good sleep. You know, it, it, the sun's friggin' setting at like five o'clock now and just banging on the walls all night long. Like it, it's getting old at this point. Well, just, just saying, you know what they say? Ain't no rest for the wicked. 
<laughs> That's true. Uh, this episode, we venture away from the Death Holler Inn to another haunted manor. Known locally as Hill House, it is a place of death and long-buried familial secrets. Stay close to the group as we investigate this behemoth, for we are far from town. If, we were, uh, if, if you were to find yourself in a bit of trouble and called out for help, there would be no one to hear you in the night, in the dark. Prepare yourselves for the haunting of Hill House. I'm going to slap you. (laughs) (laughs) But first, a little podcast business. Uh, If you don't care, uh, we would appreciate it if you could like, comment, subscribe, wherever you enjoy listening to our podcast. Uh, We are available on most podcast platforms and could use your help to increase our rankings and and presence. And uh, thank you for listening and on with the show. So first up, before we get to the actual uh, Hill House Hootenanny, as I like to call it, that we're going to have this this evening. I have uh, played a couple of horror themed board games. I want to talk about, and and a movie actually I saw in theater that I that I was uh, pretty impressed by. Um, first game that I that I remember or that I've played recently, quite a bit actually, is the horrified American Monsters version from uh, Robinsberger. Uh, that's the one that's got the cryptids like Bigfoot and uh, Mothman, Jersey Devil, and um, uh, the Chupacabra. Uh, I think that's one that you, you might uh, be familiar with. But do they um, have La Arena? They have the Badlands Banshee, which is a cheap knockoff. So, no, they do not. What the fuck? Uh, yeah, I'm hoping that they have like a because uh, there's plenty of room for them to make like little expansions of this game. I'm hoping they do put La Urena in that one. That that would be good. You have uh, to. She's a classic now. She's part of the what? She's part of the Conjuring series. Yep. Yeah, that's come true. on now, get um, on it. Represent the Mexicans. We're over here waiting. <laughs> well, they, they they put the chupacabra in there. I mean, come on, it's uh. It's that, that little goat sucker running around killing all the goats in the game. Yeah, um, and Chupacabra <laughs> was like, I don't know. Like, I feel like you were more scared of La Llorona because she could be right outside your house versus Chupacabra was like when you were camping, you know? But I guess that would be horrified American monsters. It's a little campy. Well, yeah. I mean, the the game is pretty interesting because I mean, all the monsters have like different like ways that you defeat them in the game. And the funniest thing is that Bigfoot is actually a peaceful creature. He's not he doesn't kill anybody in the game like at all. But you lose the game pretty quick with him if you don't get rid of him because he scares the ever-living shit out of everybody and if the terror level goes up to the end, you know, marker on the track, you lose the game. So just because because of the fact that he's so scary to everybody that you lose the game because of that and he actually he legit moves away from people just because he don't want to be around them. Okay. I have to give you just a little bit of an influencer shout out because didn't Ravensburger like comment on your post inside of Death Holler on Instagram? They did. And they, they said that it was a good shot of their original game, uh, Horrified Universal Monsters, and they wanted to use it for promotional purposes. Woo! I was pretty proud of that. Look at that. You're over here doing big things right now. <laughs> Come on. Job of the sluts out there <laughs> knocking them down left and right on TikTok. So don't don't tell me anything about that. The but. viewers don't know about Job of the Slut yet. We have not posted that on Death Holler Instagram. But that is a shout out. If you would like to follow us on Instagram, there's lots of places you can follow us on Facebook. But definitely you can see some of the BS that we do on Instagram. So I recommend heading over there. 
it's a pretty good time and we get to post uh, other things. I mean, you know, uh, than just, you know, what you'd normally see on like our Facebook, which is mostly memes and that sort of thing. Yeah. Memes, um, um the show. Yeah. We're gonna, Of course we're going to post stuff about the show, but we also post fun stuff. But the, the funny, I mean, I, playing this game, like, I mean, it, it's just interesting uh, fighting these different monsters in it because I mean, like playing the Jersey Devil is almost like a game of Clue in a weird roundabout way because one of the people that you would normally save in the game is the 13th child, which is the Jersey Devil. And you and, and as you go along saving people, you pick up clues as to who the, the, the 13th child is and you have to go to the location where they's at to defeat the Jersey Devil. So it's like to defeat the Jer- Jersey Devil, you actually have to figure out who the Jersey Devil is. Uh, the Mothman is a straight up just bastard. Like he, he just ju- goes directly across the board, hitting everything in front of him. If you've got like the eye of the Mothman on you, you better get the hell out of there. He's going to take you out. Um, like I said, Bigfoot just wants to get away from people, but he scares them. <laughs> Chupacabra's going around uh, eating all the goats. So yeah. you got to like take, you got to rescue six goats, take them to the farm, get him to come to the farm and then kick his ass. Um, <laughs> The Badlands Banshee is basically just playing this like uh, it's it's represented by like these little musical like chits or whatever. But like she's basically playing her music and like if if she gets to the end of her track, like she basically increases your doom. And then if you don't do anything about it, your your character gets hurt enough times that you lose the game that way. It's basically you know I, I guess going to the Banshee thing about luring you to your doom and that sort of thing. And then there's there's one more monster that's. Uh, that's I can't remember the name of it. It's 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 kind of like this big horned beast or whatever, and it's on like this camp trail, and you have to um, you have to find you have to travel up the trail and like you know do these things or whatever to find its final location to be able to defeat it. It's it's kind of an interesting one, but they all play differently, and and there's several on the board at the same time, so you got to really be you know watching what you do to be able to defeat them. It's it's it was it's a fun game. Uh, it sounds fun, but. I'm going to be real honest with you. I would have a hard time playing and having to deal with Mothman because I cannot take Mothman serious now that they have that YMCA <laughs> version song of him and people just flat out like wearing <laughs> sexy Mothman costumes. I can't do it, man. Uh, well, it's my least favorite one to have to play because literally if you don't, I mean, he he's he's real aggro. Like, I mean, he's always, got, he'll kill the, the, the civilians like instantly. He's, you know, and, and, and so many of them disappear and then the, it's all over with anyways. So, I mean, it's, you have to be really cautious with him around. I mean, he's just, he's out to kill, basically. Sounds like a real asshole. He, he really is. <laughs> um, I would. I would take the Jersey Devil over him any day, even though it's it's hard to figure out who the bastard really is. Um, the next game that I played, and this is actually probably one of my favorite games I've played in a long time, and I'm just working my way through it, and I've not even got past, like, there's a lot of combinations, but I'll get into that. But it's called Final Girl, and it's a single-player game from Van Ryder Games. And it's basically like there's four or five different like boxes you get. There's a core box that has like the, all the main components that you use with all of the different other vignettes. And then you have like these boxes that have like both a, a, the slasher you have to fight and then, um, and then the location that you fight them at along with the, the different final girls. There's like two per box. And like the one that I've been playing is the one that they recommend you start out with, which is basically like a Jason ripoff. It's, he's called Hans the Butcher. 
and he's he's got like this big steel like pig's mask that he wears and he's got a huge sledgehammer that he butchers people with and his his location is camp happy trails and basically you're trying to save these stupid kids that are around like at makeup point or makeout point and like skinny dipping in the <laughs> lake and all that stuff you know you're trying to save them from Hans the butcher as the final girl and i've been playing like the basic one Laurie. Uh, and like, if you save so many of them, you activate the final girl's ability, which Laurie's case, she's got less health, but she does extra damage whenever you actually act save enough people. And it, it just really, I mean, it really simulates like a slasher film because you're sitting there and you think you've got everything, you know, you're, 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 it's like, oh man, I just saved a bunch of people this round. And all of a sudden you have to pull this card and it's like, uh, one of them says like, he's just standing there and it basically like you move Hans to like the, like uh, way across the board to where he's standing right next to a, another, like uh, one of the victims and you and he and like he increases your horror level because he's just standing with a big behemoth over top of him and then if you don't do anything about it then like the next time you know that he you know activates he'll end up killing both of them or right in the same go so it's like you you constantly got to be you know aware of the fact that i mean he can just pop up anywhere and, and do damage basically so i have a question about these games so are they are these both of these games horrified american monsters and final girl are they like storyline games well they don't know they don't have like actual i mean they're one I, I forget the term it's it's like um the narrative is the narrative you create as you're mate as you're playing the game yeah. like some of these sandbox games you'd find on like you know like xbox or pc where you you play around and like whatever you do is the story you create okay and that's like yeah. a lot of them go ahead sorry and 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 I'm just saying that that's basically what they're like. I mean, they don't have like, like they, the good thing about final girl is they do have lore. Like if you, you can go through and read like the lore behind the, the final girl that you're playing and you know, the, the slasher like Hans, it talks about how he, his family was a group of butchers from Germany. Um, they, their, their meat was prized by the town. Uh, Hans was all, there was something always wrong with Hans. He like stood like, you know, three feet taller than everybody. He's just a behemoth, but they always covered his face in like this, this leather pig mask, like as, as like a form of, uh, uh, you know, to shame him or something like that. And eventually his family started disappearing and, uh, the meat started tasting funny, basically hinting that he was feeding his family to the town. And then all of a sudden, he just uh, no. Then the, the family stopped showing up in the town. They they searched the farm. Like the people that searched the farm were like horrified, and they 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 wouldn't even reveal what what all they saw there. It was so terrible. And Hans was just nowhere to be found. And and now he resurfaces at Camp Happy Trails, which is a the town basically died. They bulldozed it down, and then years later, some idiots built like a, you know, like basically a camp on top of the location where it was at. And now Hans has came back to haunt it, basically, you know, just kind of like you know uh, Jason would. So kind of like inadvertently a choose your own adventure. You don't quite know what you're choosing, but it's kind of building as you go. Yeah, I mean, like there was a like the narrative that built the other night. Whenever I was playing the game, like literally, it got down to where it was me and Hans. And like I had Laurie and I like I was trying my best, like, you know, to, to whittle down his life or whatever, because they've got this neat little mechanic where both the final girl and the slasher both have that, you know, they come back, you know, even after they look like they're dead moment or whatever, because there's this little chit that you keep face down. And when you get that final life token off their board, you flip that chit. And if it doesn't have anything beneath it, they're dead. 
But if it does have life on it, then it's like the moment in the movie, you know, where they sit, you know, sit back up from, you know, being dead and they, they, they go back to uh, slashing again. Oh my God. Uh, there might be, you know, they might get health back. So, um, I was down to my last health. He he's getting ready to slam me. I don't have any weapons to attack him, so I try to run away from him. And I'll be damned if, like the because the card that I played to try to move away from him, I failed miserably on the roll to try to get away from him. And literally, it was like Laurie like tripped over her own like, feet and died in front of Hans. I'm like, that would be a weird way for a horror movie to end. Like literally, the slasher standing there, the person starts to run away, and it's like that movie uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil where they like throw their themselves into the log chippers or something oh that's God. basically what the how the game ended i was like okay that was a shitty way to die bitches always be tripping so you know <laughs> but um and then there's these different modules like one of them is uh dr sleep or uh, uh dr it's not dr sleep but it's something like dr nightmare and he's basically you know freddy he you can only defeat him in the boiler room in your sleep um, and he's got two final girls that are tied to him. One of them's name is Nancy. They, they there's a lot of them. They tie into like the actual names of like either the actresses that played the final girl or, or their characters. Um, there's one character, one of them's called poltergeist and it's literally you're in, you can't defeat the, the bad guy, which is this poltergeist, uh, uh, female, like a ghost. You have to save Carolyn, not Carolyn, but Carolyn, uh, from the poltergeist <laughs> is, is that one. Um, can and, you and they've just see, got like can you hear like me that. blinking really loudly? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and I mean, they're, they're set to come out with a second season here in, in January where they had five more uh, monsters. I'm just kind of interested to see what they do. Uh, I'm how sure do you, they'll, wait, how you know, do you get the new monsters? Have like their own, you know, versions of some other classics or whatever. But um, how, how do you get it. the monsters? What's that? How do you get the monsters? How do you get the new ones? Uh, it's there's going to be a Kickstarter campaign, I believe, is or unless they go to GameFound, I think it was Kickstarter. They said it's January twenty second, I want to say, or, or somewhere in that range. And they should have the stuff from the original Kickstarter campaign, which just got delivered. That's how I've been playing it, uh, along with the new ones. Um, you don't have to have all of the the ones to play, but I mean, it, it creates like this nice little mix and match, you know, uh, match because you don't have like there's like. For instance, the poltergeist comes with this uh, uh, haunted house called Creech Manor. You can play on that mat with the poltergeist, which is the typical setup, or you can have the poltergeist haunting Camp Happy Trails and going along where Hans would normally be at. It's and you basically just do it that way. And you can there's infinite combinations, and there's like there's two final girls per set. And there's even like an extra one that uh, called Melanie, and she comes with her own like box. She doesn't have a bad guy per se. She has a deck of like, or her monster she's fighting is birds because it's literally the character from the movie The Birds. Like the artwork even looks like her, and she's trying to survive with all these, uh, you know, crazy ass birds trying to dive bomb her and, and kill her and take her out. And she's trying to save the victory, you know, the other people in town while she's trying to keep from dying herself. Jesus Christ. Um, wait, are they, so they're like expansion packs. Do you, do you purchase them? Yeah, that's, the, that's what I'm saying. Like the individual like boxes or you, there's one big box that has all the stuff to play with basically. And it's called the core box. 
and then all the other ones like the or you know or a combination of a slasher or a monster and then a location and those are individualized and those are the expansion packs and like i said they're gonna have like five more coming out in january to go along with it yeah we have one really ridiculous game similar you just buy expansion packs but it's just cards and it's exploding kittens so we're not going to talk about that (laughs) but yes that's we buy the expansion packs but okay so i was looking at this game specifically the uh final girl game and that mm-hmm. game showed up, but then another game popped up. I don't know that you know about it. It's made by a company called uh, WizKids. Now, this is a game slated for 14-year-olds and up, and it is Coraline. And basically, in this game, from what I was reading while you're kind of explaining um, Final Girl, is kind of similar. I don't know that there's going to be any expansions or anything, but you play as the ghost of the kids in Coraline. And you're basically working to free Coraline and her parents from uh, the Baldam, which is uh, the other mother, if you will. Okay. And I obviously, it's not going to give a ton of details. I just found it on Amazon. It, it runs, I think, about $18. But the game is called Coraline Beware the Other Mother. And it actually looks <laughs> really cool. I was like, well, what the hell, dude? So uh, needless to say, I literally just bought that for my daughter for Christmas. <laughs> that that sounds pretty fun. I've not heard a lot about it yet. Yeah. Um, Another game that we play that's horror related is called, I want to say it's called The Horror Box. And basically it's a horror movie trivia cards against humanity, if you will. It's not cards against humanity, okay. but it's basically the same thing. Okay. And um, it's, uh, my kids play it. They get a kick out of it. Um, they probably shouldn't be playing it. It's Alice Cooper's actually the... <laughs> Alice Cooper's Horror Box is what it's called. Alice Cooper. mm -hmm, And basically it's like a Cards Against Humanity where it's like, um, okay, here's an example. Here's a question card. Welcome to hell. May I offer you? And then the three choices are a waterbed, Jordan Peele's Undeveloped Cat sequel, or an emotional support lion. So basically (laughs) that's how you play. It has some really inappropriate situations, which has, I can hear when my kids are chuckling in the background. I'm like, ah, that's not a good card. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, "Uh, might not have been the best idea to play this right about now. Oh my God. But yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, That's a good old fashioned. We're talking Freddy Krueger, Friday the 13th, you know, the, the classics, if you will. Yeah. There's one that's been out on the market for years. Uh, it's a little, uh, it's a little fiddly because there's there's ways that you can literally like be trapped from the get go uh, just because how the games uh, plays out and not be able to do anything like right from the start. But it's called. Uh, but when it plays out the right way, it's supposed to be really fun. It's called Betrayal at House on the Hill. And it's basically like a group of people are going to like this haunted, you know, mansion or, or something or something that's bad that's happened to this mansion and they're going to investigate it. And during the course of it, like the game, like you're investigating the mansion and it's a different layout each time because it's randomized. And that's where the, the part comes in that you might get totally screwed because if you fall into the basement, but there's never like a, uh, a thing that comes up that gives you stairs to get out of the basement, then your character's stuck there for the rest of the game. That's one of the ways that you can get, you know, kind of stuck. But uh, the point of the game is, and and, and the problem I'm not, the reason I'm not played is because there's just two of us here, but it, it's best with three to five. And for this reason, like partway through the game, one of the people in the house is revealed to be the bad guy. Uh, that's playing oh, the game. It's yeah. like either they become, Either they become possessed, uh, they were the, the bad guy all along, or something happens. 
And so that person goes away from the group. They get a whole new like book that the game has. It tells them exactly what they've got to do to win the game on their own. And if, and then the other group gets to know what their win conditions are at that point. And it's like a cat and mouse game at that point. And that's why it's called betrayal. It's like, you know, they, it's like, Oh, um, we came to this mansion and like, you know, the ghost of, of old so-and-so or, you know, John Jones or whatever has now possessed like, you know, you know, La Urena's character. So now she has to be go off to the side and, you know, fight the rest of the players because she's trying to take back her mansion, you know, or something to that effect. So it's kind of an interesting game. It sounds like there's an imposter among us. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that, yep. but nobody sus from the get-go <laughs> it is. I was wondering if you would catch that reference. <laughs> um, but so I've been playing those games. They've been really fun, uh, especially the final girl. I'm really looking forward to like trying out some of the other ones. Like I said, I've, I've mostly been playing against Hans and, and Camp Happy Trails, but I'm looking forward to trying some of the other ones. There's like a, a carnival of blood is one of the locations and you fight this uh, evil Geppetto like character. And he's got all these like little evil puppets that are, you know, doing his, uh, his uh, dirty work for him basically. And uh, there's some different ones like that. Um, Thank you. The movie that I watched recently that I'd really recommend to people uh, is the new Resident Evil, uh, Welcome to Raccoon City. Um, I love this movie. I, I personally think, just horror-wise, it's and the way it's set up, I think it's a four out of five. If you're a Resident Evil fan, now I've seen this go different ways because some people are such sticklers for the games that if anything deviates, that it's uh, it's shit, it's shit. I'm not going to watch it, <laughs> and it does deviate because it has to. But for me, the way they worked in the first, because they combined the first and second video games into one narrative, the way that they did it, because which is the best that they that I could think of anybody possibly doing, giving a smaller runtime of just one film. Um, it's a four out of five for me just because, I mean, I love the games and I feel like they did a good job working on men. They've got, you know, just like the games, they've got Chris and Jill and Barry going off to the mansion to investigate while they've got Leon and Claire kind of hanging back in town and they get, you know, they get assaulted at the police precinct and it kind of follows those two games paths and then brings them both together at the end and kind of finishes up the way that Resident Evil 2 finishes up, if anybody knows that, where you're on the subway train and you're trying to fight off, you know, well, not spoil it, but, I mean, they're they're, they're fighting off a, a big bad at that point, and that's kind of how the game plays out. And I, I, and you could tell that the movie was made by a person who loved video games because he, he tried his best. I mean, he's got, like, a little bit of a a filler narrative about an orphanage in, you know, Raccoon City that kind of, like, you know, ties the characters together, at least Chris and Claire. Uh, but, I mean, other than that, I mean, he, he did a pretty good job of... Re- I mean, there was scene for scene instances of live action versus what the game shows like especially the intro where like Claire's trying to come back into town and she's riding with this trucker or whatever and he gets bit <gasps> I mean it's 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 like it's exactly you know like the game starts out like in Resident Evil 2 Okay, I'm going to throw it out there because obviously there's Resident Evil movies that already exist but didn't the maybe I'm mistaking real life for the movie, I thought that there was a subway scene or at least a train scene where they were fighting. Uh, I want to say it was the one character that was mutated by the, the not that was it the T-virus? Yeah, that was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, aren't we past spoilers on that one? Like, the game has been out for, what, how long now? Well, 
I mean, we are, but I mean, at the same time, I mean, they, they, they go the whole thing. I like literally, uh, just, this is a spoiler alert in case you haven't heard anything. So skip ahead just a few you know minutes. But I was literally, I looked at my wife whenever they showed the big bad guy, which is, you know, uh, the tyrant, Albert Wesker. It, it, <laughs> it's not the, it's not the tyrant. Oh, it's, it's not. The, okay. I mean, it, it, well, he's a pseudo tyrant, I guess, but he's the one that like grows into this monster. That's the size of the subway train <laughs> and, uh, the doctor or whatever that injects himself. Yeah. He's sitting there and they have no way to defeat him. And I look at my wife and I was like, they got to get the rocket launcher. That's the way they defeat him in the game. <laughs> and I swear to God, Leon comes in with a rocket launcher, and that's how they kill him. And I'm like, like God Woo! damn it, they did everything like the game. <laughs> exactly. Okay, do you think, knowing my panic and my situation with zombies, am I going to make it through this film? It's got some rough scenes with zombies. I mean, <gasps> rough in a good way, like, or at least to me. I mean, it'd well, be bad Well, because cinematically, like, they look scenes, great. There are scenes... Well, that's the reason I give it a four out of five on the horror element. There, I mean, there, the horror atmosphere is very well crafted. Ugh. There's a scene at the beginning of the movie where Claire is visiting Chris in his house, and she walks past this, and, and the setup is that the people in the town have been drinking contaminated water. Oh, wonderful. And... And she walks past this house that's right next door to Chris's, and the mother, well, the kid's got something wrong with it because it's losing its hair, obviously. It looks kind of, you know, like it's got something wrong with it that way. But the mother's got the same problem, but she's clearly more advanced because she's kind of, her face is kind of twitching. So you know that she's getting ready to go feral at any moment. And when Chris leaves, like she's sitting there and all of a sudden this kid just comes scampering in from nowhere because she left one of the doors unlocked. And while she's trying to figure out where the kid's at, Bam, like through the back glass window, bur- bursting the mom just in full rage zombie mode. And, and I mean, it was, I mean, I, I jumped whenever she, I was like, oh shit. Like they're, you know, they're really going for it. I mean, they're not just, it's not like, you know, watching uh, what Mila Jovovich or whatever, yeah. like I'm, I'm a badass. I can kill anything. No, you're like shit. You know, I know this is the main character and they probably won't kill her, but I mean, they're giving some tension to this scene. No, understandably. Cause like Mila Jovovich or whatever the hell. And <laughs> she was like some kind of advanced, you know, lab, lab created, if you will, machine if uh, fighting machine and these in the game it was just real people um i'm gonna go ahead and pre give what i think would be my rating of this film i'm giving it a zero out of five because i'm probably not gonna be able to watch it (laughs) and if you can't watch it you can't rate it I'm, 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 well, that's true. I'm going to give you a heads up though. Like I was getting ready to say the mansion scenes, one of the, the most intense I've seen in a long time when it comes to like zombie films, because it's literally Chris. He's about out of, out of ammo. <gasps> he's got his flash. He's got his flashlight there. There's zombies all over the place. And you just see his in between like bursts of his flashlights, him taking, you know, or like scenes of zombies that are like either right upon him or getting close. And it's, and it's like light, dark, light, dark, light, dark. <laughs> like you, you don't, I mean, it's not the strobe light effect, No, but I know. it's enough to where you, you have no idea where the next zombie's coming from or anything <sighs> like that. And I'm like, that's, that's well done. Oh my God! It's my husband's gonna love this. The kids are gonna love it. I'm gonna have a hard time, which tells you, folks, it's probably really, really good. Yes, I am going to make my best effort into watching this. Uh, we'll see if I can make it through without some kind of panic attack or asthma attack. So you know, stay tuned. <laughs> and with that, let's get on to the main discussion for the night. Let's uh, some Hill House hootenanny here. Let's let's get into it. Um, shit. First up. We're going to go all the way back. The way Haunting, back. 1963. 
this is the original film based upon the Shirley Jackson novel of the, uh, the Haunting of Hill House. Um, director is Robert Weiss. We have the principal players, Julie Harris, who plays Eleanor Nell Lance. Get used to these names, folks. You're going to see them a ton, or you're going to hear them a ton tonight. Uh, she plays the tragic heroine. Funny thing about Julie Harris, she starred in the dark half with somebody else who's going to be in another version of The Haunting of Hill House later on, whenever we discuss that, uh, a Netflix series. Um, Claire Bloom, she plays Theodora Theo. Uh, she's the psychic. Uh, she played in several films at the time that were based on either historical figures or, or story or actual novels like Anna Karina, Anastasia, Hamlet. Uh, we have Russ Tamblin. He plays Luke Sanderson, the privileged heir to the Hill House uh, uh, inheritance, basically. And uh, he, uh, this actor, played in the only. I'm limiting it to horror movies, or, or pretty much to that tonight, because we got so many actors to have to cover. But he was in the War of the Gargantuas, as the one I saw, kind of like a kaiju type film, like way back in the '60s. Uh, we have Richard Johnson playing Doctor John Markway who's a paranormal researcher. Uh, he played in the 1970s uh, Lucio Fulci film, Zombie, uh, which is pretty interesting. He played in a movie called Island of the Fishman and in a movie called The Cursed Medallion. And then we have uh, Lois uh, Maxwell, who played Grace Markway, and uh, she plays the skeptic and the, the wife to uh, Dr. John Markway, and she was uh, Mrs. Moneypenny uh, from all the James Bond films. So interesting little fact about her because every when I was looking up the movie she's in is like James Bond this, James Bond that. And I'm like, what the fuck did she play? And she played a pretty pivotal character for most of the early Bond films. Hold on. I'm looking at <sighs> Mrs. Moneypenny. I want to see. I mean, because she was not super hot in this film, obviously. They intentionally made <laughs> no. her not hot. Um, <laughs> definitely hot back in her day, but not super hot in that James Bond movie. But I'll leave that up to debate because, I mean, we're talking about classic beauty compared to what, you know. <laughs> um, now, do you want, uh, I figure that we can kind of match these two together because they're pretty similar in the general outline. Do you want to, do you want me to go ahead and reveal the, the haunting remake uh, information and then you can kind of discuss the, the haunting remake information? Uh, stuff while i go back to the older film and we can kind of intermingle the two of them while yeah we're bounce about back these. and forth yeah let's do that okay so the haunting uh 1999 version was uh directed by jan debont uh the composer was jerry goldsmith oh jesus of poltergeist fame and i thought that was funny because i thought this movie the fucking has awful music that that does not add to the horror th element of the movie at all. Just like we discussed with Poltergeist, and lo and behold, <laughs> it's Jerry Goldsmith again. God damn he, it, Jerry! He he was the composer though on on a movie that we covered last year. Uh, you know, the Devils in the Details, uh, the Omen. I mean that you know that that was a great soundtrack. What the yeah. fuck? Why did he mess these up so bad? <sighs> maybe um, maybe he was on drugs. <laughs> I mean, literally, I was listening to music in this, and it, like it, it was more of like a playful child's theme, which is honestly close to what Poltergeist had. It 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 was weird. Okay, uh, see, and weird, my my simple uh, brain ahead. really tries to like tie. Okay, because I did hear the music, and I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff because I didn't quite at first with Poltergeist. Although when you said it, I was like, yeah, 
As a matter of fact, that didn't go. And now you're saying it with this. And I was like, I know they really, I don't want to spoil anything quite yet, but I know they really, really tried to put the effort of that mother figure that they were trying to make of now. And we'll go more into discussion about that. But it, now that I think about it, no, it doesn't tie in. It doesn't even go with that. It, it doesn't at all. I mean, the even the end music, like, I mean, the same way with Poltergeist, like the end music of the movie, it, it's like this weird, upbeat, uh, almost uh, childlike theme. And it's just like you've seen one of the characters in the film uh, sacrifice herself. The two main characters have this weird moment. I, mean, I know I'm jumping ahead, but I got to throw this out there. The two main characters that are left are kind of just walking out like, you know, they got the thousand yard stare going on. Yeah. And then you start playing this fucking, you know, like watch, <laughs> you know, male, it's almost like a rat or like a carnival type thing that you would hear and i'm like what this what were they in the movie with this music for and then i and then i saw that jerry goes i was like god damn it jerry you've done it again okay you know where this <laughs> you know where this worked but it wasn't i mean there's no comparison but this is where i think they were trying to go where this kind of music kind of worked was in nightmare on elm street when they had they had softer tone carousel type music but it was slower it was deeper it was creepier yes you had children singing but it tied into the story you can't just have music alone and expect it to tell the story because there wasn't enough in this film to really kind of tie those two together I agree with you 100% on that because, I mean, hearing those kids, I mean, anytime you have kids doing, like, some creepy chant, you can you can make it horror, you know, like horror-based. I mean, and they did in Nightmare on Elm Street. But you, you throw, I mean, I know that they can argue that in some of those scenes, because this movie was just, I mean, we'll get into it. This movie was just overblown, like, ridiculous. Like, they have a whole room that's like a music box. Oh, you know, yeah. Kind of set up. I do like that room, spinning. though. <laughs> and, and and I know and I know that that room had like the you know the childlike music box thing and that might have been what they's going for and it maybe fit in that moment but it's not a way to fucking end your movie especially the way they ended the movie yeah like, it just don't fit and I'm sorry but that that room was fun and it was exciting there was nothing scary about it there wasn't even anything creepy about that room so we didn't work. <laughs> There's a lot that didn't work in that movie, and but we'll get into it when we compare the two of them. Uh, a little bit of weird trivia about this, going back to the poltergeist thing again, and and this isn't the only poltergeist connection. I'm or well, in a roundabout way, I'll get to that in a, in a, in a little bit. Uh, but trivia, uh, this started out the the remake started out as a collaboration between Stephen King and Steven Spielberg that fell apart, which is funny because we just covered this on Poltergeist. It started out the same way. Yeah. Um, the, the two of them were talking about making a movie together, a horror movie. They didn't see eye to eye on it. Stephen <laughs> King went and made uh, Rose Red, which is a fairly good haunted house movie. And then Spielberg hired on DeMont and, and made this. So, I mean, it's it's funny that, that they got Goldsmith back. It's uh, the, the, you know, King and Spielberg couldn't work it out again. It's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's a weird, I didn't intend this to happen, but when I saw this, I'm like, that's just fucking weird. Welcome <laughs> um, to death matter. <laughs> the haunts repeat themselves here. They, they do apparently. 
the principal players in the new version or newer version is uh, Lily Taylor uh, playing Eleanor Nell Lance, uh, the tragic heroine. Uh, she's famous for The Conjuring, so that's another spook show movie that is really good. So yes. she does. She did a good job in that. And, and I she, don't actually mind her in this movie. No, honestly. I don't. Um, and she also, it, she looks like the original character that played Nell as well, the original actress, which was Julie Harris. Um, not identical, yeah. but they had a lot of similarities, and I really liked how they did that. I don't know if it was intentional or not. Well, I agree with you in a, in a roundabout way. I feel like she had, and I don't, I mean, I don't mean any disrespect to Lily Taylor, but she had, she doesn't have the, the, she doesn't have the Catherine Zeta Jones effect. She has the more like homely, like woman next door look, somebody you would actually see out in real life. Yes. And Julie Harris had the same thing and it fits. Yes. It, it works. Um, Catherine Jada Jones is in this movie uh, playing Theodora Theo. Uh, uh, in this movie, she's not a psychic. She is a bohemian artist slash, slash bisexual slash insomniac. I mean, because they um, were doing a sleep study, so that's supposed to work. <laughs> she really was just um, a sack of sexy bones, I swear. <laughs> She, she was eye candy. I was getting ready to say it exactly. She serves no purpose in this movie, like, at she all. She is so like, gorgeous, I mean, though. <laughs> Uh, other than the fact that she's just putting it out there and, and that, that's that's really it uh, of course I looked for a horror movie she was in I didn't see anything so she's in the Mask of Zorro movies the most, uh, when I was looking at the list of things she she's very well known but like I was looking at her movies and the only ones that really stood out to me was like the Zorro movies and I'm like what has she done that I, I mean I must not be like you know watching her movies or something even though I know who she is obviously but okay um, I hate musicals Hate them with passion, but have you seen Chicago? That's the one that popped up, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably the most famous one. But I, you know, that's not. That was a really I mean, good I one. I, we're not going to ever review I that. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, we're not going to review that. I I don't mind musicals. There's several of them that I really really love, but yeah, I'm not. That one's not one that really you know interests me very much. Yeah, I I, I hate musicals, but for some reason I like Chicago. So. <laughs> Um, this next one's pretty famous. Owen, wow. Wilson. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, and he says that in this movie, too, because he can't get by without saying that in a movie. It's kind of a running theme. Uh, he's playing Luke Sanderson in this movie. Uh, but in this version, he's just an insomniac and an all-American guy. Like, he don't really have much of a personality other than the fact that he's got insomnia, and he's he's kind of a jokester. That's kind of it. Um. <laughs> I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you see any other development they had for his character in this movie? Like, I didn't. At okay, all. now that I fucking think about it, no. <laughs> I just aimlessly go through these films. I don't know what I'm doing with my life when I'm watching films. This is why I don't like any good movies and I like all the bullshit, you know? <laughs> why did you select me as a co host? You, you, I don't know. Maybe there's no one else. <laughs> Because you, uh, you, I mean, your sensibilities and what you like is a good, like, opposite to, to what I mean. Like, I mean, I like that stuff, too. I mean, we discussed this, but, like, I mean, I, you know, I could drone on for hours about, like, theoretical stuff in movies, too. And, that you know, that you need somebody to offset that a little bit. So yeah, it's, it's that's good, true. It's a good mix. <laughs> um, we have, uh, well, Owen Wilde Wilson was in, obviously, <laughs> The Wedding Crashers and all of the, most of the Wes Anderson films, if not all of them. I mean, 
he's i mean he's i mean he's been in all a lot of the comedies at least up until i'd say probably around 2000 uh maybe 12 13 i think he kind of started dropping off a little bit but he was in there for a lot of the early 2000s comedies yeah i i remember him a lot and he he has recently dropped off so i don't know what's he doing nowadays i wonder well i'd you had to ask because I, I don't want to bring this up to bring anything down, but he did attempt suicide and got really close. And oh, so he no. and he got away from movies for a while. I heard that he's doing well now, thankfully, and he's kind of coming back. But, yeah, he, he got in a bad way for a while, and that's the reason he dropped out of everything. Um, He's not married that I can see. I don't even see that he has a partner. He does have three kids, though. No, excuse me, one, two... No, three children. Yeah, he's got three children. So yeah, he's well. I mean, fatherhood's its own reward, I, I guess, or can be if you do it the right way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Never been married. Uh, <laughs> All right. Interesting. Uh, next uh, person we have in this movie is Liam Neeson, uh, playing Don or Dr. John Markway. In this movie, he's a lying ass psychologist who is studying the fears effects of fear on insomnia, but not telling anybody that's what he's trying to do. Um, he is obviously known for the Taken movies. I mean, you can't think of Liam Neeson. He has reinvented himself to where he's literally that guy from Taken. That's all he does now. I, I saw some movie that's coming out like next year, and it's literally Taken, but maybe with like a slight horror theme to it. That's that's what he's doing. Ooh, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> um, I have a secret to tell you. <laughs> What's the secret? I've never seen Taken. Uh, it's, it's good for what it is. I, I would recommend it if you've not seen it. Just don't, I mean, the sequels just, uh, they're more the same. There's really no point to them. Um, so I, I don't know that I would recommend them, but for sure the first Taken's worth watching. Um, and obviously he's also, I mean, big movie he was in was, he was Qui-Gon Jinn in the Star Wars prequels, but you know, those were kind of, I don't know, depend upon who you are. I know Mike from the Rain Man Network is all about George Lucas, but I, I feel like, George had his heyday, and it wasn't the, the it wasn't the prequel series. So I'm just throwing I, it out there. I did like them, but um, Qui Gon Jinn, I'm going to say, was probably one of the weakest characters I ever played in battle. Like it was Star Wars Battle Heroes or something like that on the phone, and I was like, that was such a disappointment of a character. And Liam Neeson, I'm just going to blame you. It's your fault. I don't know. <laughs> he was also one of the worst Jedi teachers in history. Can we just throw that out there? I mean, like it, it, all the drama in the Star Wars movies, just throwing it out there is is because Qui Gon sucked at his job as a teacher. <laughs> That's really it is. But um, and I'm only throwing this character out here because she's such a minor character in the movie, but the actress is like a big time scream queen. Oh yeah. Virginia, Virginia Madsen played Jane Vance, who is the ungrateful sister to Nell that you only see for like the beginning of this movie where she's literally telling Nell that she's going to take everything. Even though Nell was the one kid who stayed home and took care of their invalid mother. Now the other sister's coming in and claiming everything and booting her on top of that. She's like, well, you'll have to get you a new place, but you need to anyway. So, and, uh, Kind of a shit move, sis. A shit move. Yeah, what a bitch. But you know what? Who's sorry now? Because now Nell lives in a mansion. Ooh. Now look who looks stupid. Forever. (laughs) Forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um... 
course, Virginia Madsen was in Candyman. Uh, she was in The Prophecy, which we covered with Christopher Walken. And uh, she was also in The Haunting in Connecticut, which is uh, another haunted house movie we may or may not cover. I don't know. I've not decided on that series or not. Okay, wait. Haunting in Connecticut, um, was that a Conjuring film? It was not. It was not. Okay, see, sometimes we, well, I mistake those because I'm like, we've talked about just a fucking Conjuring series or season, period. So. Yeah, and and you could, but the con in the Conjuring season, typically the Conjuring season is around the Warrens, and I don't, I don't think at least up front that they could have been, and it, we'll get to that if we when we get to that that season. But I'm pretty sure that the Hunting Connecticut did not feature the Warrens. They or Lorraine would have been the only one that could have probably been involved in that because I I think that one was I want to say that was a fairly recent haunting. It, it was a a big time. There was a a series like a real life television, you know, well based on real events type show where people like relayed their 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 ghost stories and the camera and they kind of like the people who were making the show kind of did like a reenactment thing to kind of yeah. like you know play it up, and that's where the haunting you know, series came from and the hunting in Connecticut was the, the scariest of the bunch. I actually, I thought it was a terrifying story that the people told. Well, yeah, cause it's um, based on a true story. Now it doesn't say based on true events or inspired by, <laughs> <laughs> um, cause I've heard that story told multiple times. It is an intriguing story. So I don't know. I'm interested, but we'll have to mull that one over a little bit. I just, I, I mean, the thought that somebody would ever move into a former, like, you know, or a funeral home or had that I had a morgue in the basement. I don't, I, I, those people, they're, they're not my people. That's all I'm going to say. I, I would not be, you know, I would not be moving to that place. I'd be like, you keep your dead bodies or, you know, even though they might not still be here, you, you keep them. I'm not, I'm not buying that house. Hmm. Okay. Screen Rant <laughs> is saying, Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm reading this incorrectly, but it, they're saying that hunting in Connecticut is related to the Conjuring series. If maybe it is, not. it's mainly by the Warrens. I, and yes, I, that, yes. I can't remember that part of it if if they investigated the place or not because I know that a lot of the Warrens' extended like group of researchers and stuff were involved in a lot of the, the you know those stories that were on the haunting. Uh, but I didn't know exactly if Lorraine, you know, was, was involved in any of them herself. Hmm, maybe we'll have to review, not review, revisit that. And then kind of be like, okay, yeah, this is worthy of our season or eh, we'll move it. We'll move along. Cause there's a, there's a lot out there that we want to get to. There's a, a whole lot that we want to get to. Um, that's basically the players in each movie. Now, I'm going to go back for a second to the original haunting movie. This one is based more upon the book. The The gist of it is, is that uh, Dr. Mark way is trying to investigate the paranormal. He knows that Hill house is one of the most reportedly haunted places in, in existence. The movie begins with him kind of relaying the history of Hill house, which sounds like it was cursed from the get go. Basically, uh, you know, when uh, Hugh crane, Remember that name because it gets a little twisted when it gets to the, the Netflix series. But when Hugh Crane built Hill House and he was bringing his wife to who he built it for to the house, her she died in a carriage crash uh, before she ever entered the home. So that left him and his daughter Abigail into the, into the house. He got remarried. His second wife died falling down some stairs mysteriously. Um, he left... Uh, it and then uh, left Abigail in the care of, of uh, like uh, 
somebody, or I don't remember the history of it, but like somebody in town, basically, she grew up to where she literally became an invalid that was that only stayed in the, the nursery where she was originally kept. And when she was older and had to have somebody take care of her in, in that part of her life, the, the young woman she hired from town uh, was too busy screwing like the farm boy next yeah. door or something like that. Uh, didn't hear the poor woman, old woman calling for help. The old woman died. And then mysteriously, the, the one that was supposed to be her caretaker was found hung from the spiral, spiral staircase uh, mysteriously. And, they, you know, it's kind of hinted that Abigail was the one that caused that. And that's kind of where we start at with Mark Way relating the history of the place. And he's inviting people that have some supernatural connection to the house to try to, you know, trigger a response. He gets Theodora uh, because she's a proven psychic amongst all the paranormal researchers. He And he gets Nell specifically because she had poltergeist activity. That's the other connection I was mentioning earlier to the poltergeist that happened to her when she was a child. And then like, and, Basically, what happened was, and like she denies this ever happened, but their whole house was terrorized uh, from poltergeist activity, and it was centered around her. And he figured if anybody could bring out, like, you know, a possible haunting, it was somebody who had already previously had that experience themselves, and that's why he got nailed into the fray. And then Lou just kind of gets thrown in there because his mom is the current, like, it got passed down. Uh, throughout time, and the and the Sandersons were the ones that ended up having it. And his mom was like, "Well, if you're going to do this investigation in the house, take my boy with you." And and, and basically, that's how Luke gets, you know, uh, yeah. thrown into the mix. He's kind of like primarily um, like, "Hey, well, I'm going to give you access to the house. It's basically mine." <laughs> he is token. Yeah, and and he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't believe in any of it. He's kind of like a skeptic of of the group. Uh, well. In a sense, until Dr. Markway's wife, who is a truth skeptic, who doesn't believe in any of it, comes to the house later on. Um, but I bring all that stuff up because this one, based more upon the book, even though the, the writer of the screenplay worked in more of the uh, mental aspects of the, you know, it could have been a mental disorder that Eleanor was suffering from that was causing her to think that she was seeing all this stuff in Hill House and having the weird, like, connection to everything inside of the house. He worked more of that in there, but whenever he talked to Shirley Jackson, she, you know, it was almost like how Stephen King, and we'll get to this later on in the discussion, probably around in January with The Shining, but Stephen King versus uh, Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick didn't believe that uh, The Shining had anything to do with, you know, like uh, haunts or, you know, spirits from the afterlife. It was more like alcoholism and that sort of thing. The screenwriter for this movie was kind of going the same angle, and when he talked to Shirley Jackson, she flat out told him, she's like, no, I meant it to be a haunted house, and, and so he had to pedal back a little bit and did work a little bit of the supernatural into it, but he still leaned really heavy into the mental aspects of, you know, Eleanor or Nell could be going fucking crazy while she's in here. Yeah, I mean, Nell specifically in the original film, um, there was a lot of talking to herself and questioning, and I mean, you and I always question supernatural, whether, was this real? Did I experience this? It's just just in my head, and we question ourselves. I question myself, you know, based off of the dreams that I've had, anything that I felt, like, is this just my imagination? Am I crazy? Because you don't want to be crazy, you know? You're like, <laughs> I don't want this to be real, but I also don't want to be crazy. So you're like, eh, you try to make logical reasons why something could have happened or things like that, you know? Well, and they kind of do that a little bit in the movie at the start where, you know, uh, Mark Way's trying to, you know, he tells them, he's like, well, all the doors were built at odd angles, so they, they'll close and open on their own. And it's kind of funny because he tries to prove it to them, and the door doesn't close <laughs> like it's supposed to. It just kind of sits there. It's like, ah, uh, got gotcha, you, bitch. 
<laughs> but you know, he works some of that stuff in there and, and, and a funny thing that I didn't realize until I was reading some behind the scenes about the original movie, most movies, when they, they build them, you build the sets, like you don't have like a, a ceiling so they can come in and do over the head shots and all that. They specifically built this movie to where you could see the ceilings because it brought the, the camera down and it made the movie feel more claustrophobic. Yeah. So you, and, and, you know, you're not seeing like, I mean, which is the complete opposite in the new movie since we're comparing the two of them because those, those rooms were massive. Oh my God. Like, the I've ceilings are so high. Doors the size of what they had. Those doors were like the size of like 14 people standing, you know, on top of each other. And you know, um, for all three, oh, I shouldn't say all three, but spoiler alert, we are going to be jumping into uh, Netflix's the haunting of Hill house. But in 1963, um, the, the exterior was basically, it's called Eddington park hotel. So they used a hotel as their inspiration. And then of course the interior was a set that was built same thing for the 1999 version. The interior was a set that was built, but the outside, there was two separate ones. It was England, uh, Har- uh, Harlexton Manor, and the Belvoir Castle. So, and it's, so many different locations. And it's weird, too, because like the house in the, in the, in the 1999 remake... It's just so friggin' massive whenever they do those outside shots. It's you're sitting there, you're looking at it, and I'm like, this isn't a house anymore. This is a friggin' castle. Oh, like, yeah, I 100%. Mean, and both of the the old one and the new, it's like, uh, this is a fucking castle. Um, <laughs> I do want to point out something super funny is that, okay, in the newer film, when you go up, you kind of see all the, the dry brush and the weeds all on the gate and everything. But you'll notice mm-hmm. at the end of the film when they pan out and they're backing away, like the grass right in front of it is perfectly mowed, perfectly green, like all <laughs> manicured. And I'm like, and then there's like trees that are like, you know, old trees and everything that look a little funky. But I'm like, there's like, they're ta- so they're taking care of the lawns outside and the lawns on the inside because those were taken care of as well. But nobody's paying any attention to the gates. We're just going to let this this dead weeds just fucking vines climb up here okay that's what that's what we're doing the, the dudleys were like fuck this yeah it's, it's in the it's in the night it's in the dark let let them let, let them rot this they, is they, they, not they part of my job description right, we'll those uh, weeds up the fences oh my god um i do have to say i mean of the two of them i probably i stop i still probably prefer the older version like i mean of the of the two movies just because it's more of a concise story it's not my biggest problem with the 1999 version and i said this to you multiple times and it's the buzzword for it it's overblown like in every sense of the word cgi that doesn't need to be as extreme as it is massive sets like the the house is just way too big in a lot of times and it's a point where i, I mean i realize that they're trying like sometimes if you put somebody in a situation where they're like so small and like the threat is so large you can kind of work terror in that way but sometimes it works the opposite way it's sometimes it's better to bring the you know the bring everything down to the personal level so you can be with the character you can be afraid with them and i didn't get that at all in the movie because the movie's just like like you're you're sitting there and like sometimes they're like a football field apart. It feels like some of the characters are like because the the rooms are so big. Yeah, um. I yeah you're right. It makes them feel so small. It makes them feel I don't know. It does kind of take away, and you wouldn't think that it would because the scenery is beautiful. But it is when yeah. a story's not being told and nothing is that relevant, like the best scenery we get from the second film is basically like the wooden carvings and the statues that do move throughout the film in 
not so great CGI moments. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like it was it was all this beauty for nothing almost. Now, uh, I, it's Catherine Zeta Jones. The new movie is Catherine Zeta Jones. It's, it's beauty for nothing. That <laughs> real party. Uh, nothing going on on the inside though. No. Oh my god. Um, you know, I will give respect to both movies. Well, not so much the the newer one. Um. I will give respect that there was a lot. Maybe it's not even the movies I'm giving respect to. The first movie followed the book very well. And obviously that book has a lot of story to tell. The second one kind of kept some of the details. So I do appreciate that because they could have totally took it in a different direction, which they kind of tried to do, but I still caught the references versus the Netflix series really kind of ties it all in. So this is how I view both of the movies. The first one, while it's not scary, by any means, it has a few good cinematic things that they have. It really told the story through the script and through the acting. And so you're, yes. you get to imagine everything, which is really good. I kind of like that. I, cause it leaves a lot like you, you scare yourself. You could psych yourself out. I've mentioned that multiple times on this show versus the second film, the newer one, the 1999 version told it via what you could see. And, but they didn't have any good acting. They didn't have a good script. Um, so it, w- it was disappointing they, in they, that aspect, you know? And they over and the other part that's overblown for the new movie for me, they overly complicated the story. They, Very they much. They Ukraine into this big industrialist who has this like... You know, he has this child labor thing going on. All the, the you know, they, you know, they, they like to, or, you know, they make this story about how he's, you know, he, he wanted children but never could have them. And that, you know, that's why he built all these uh, images of children in the, you know, so much of the mansion, which is kind of weird. It's in a pedophile way, but yeah. Uh, and then, and then it turns out that, you know, Eleanor finds this book and it's like all the people, all the kids that he was like, you know, forcing in the, you know, child labor and basically working them until he died. And then like, you know, burning them. It's like, do, do you need all this in the movie? Like, it's such, I mean, like, I mean, I, the, the first movie goes through a lot of lengthy exposition to tell you that, you know, how, why Hugh Crane built the house and all that through Dr. You know, Mark Way's, you know, uh, you know, introduction. But at the same time, it's a creepier setup. It, it's, it's familiar. It's like, you know, okay. The house was built by this guy. A lot of bad shit happened. You can imagine hauntings happen. That, all that stuff about this, you know, guy working these kids to death in the house. It's like, okay, that's, I don't, why, why did you, I mean, it just, I don't know. Like there's something about that that just took me out of the movie. It was like, it was way too much that they had to add on and it didn't really connect in any, any way. Yeah. Okay. Serious talk right now. Why did that painting of Hugh Crane, why'd they have to make him look like Benicio Del Toro and Guardians of the Galaxy as the collector? (laughs) What the fuck, dude? Either that or they based Benicio Del Toro's character off of that horrible painting. Why was this guy like, why did it look like he was doing brown face in every fucking photo? It looks like brown face on top of a, and, and I don't mean this in any, don't take it this way. He had an almost like Neanderthal, like, you know, <laughs> like look, like the brow was dropped. He almost looked like the guy who plays Bull Shannon, which we've discussed before, Night Court, and like a bad version of him, like is what he looked like. Wait, you know? wait, wait, wait. Didn't Geico <laughs> used to have like a caveman or something as their representative in yes, the commercials? Yeah. He looked like that. <laughs> Fucking horrible. And I, and I, 
And I can't imagine this big wealthy industrialist having that look about him. He looked too rough for that. I mean, to have built a castle as big as he did, I mean, I know that there was like, you know, different times and, you know, men didn't, you know, look like they do now. But if you were wealthier and more affluent, you had to at least look the part. And and like that picture was not, I mean, that was Crow Magnum, man. That was not like some guy who looked like he was smart enough to be able to dupe the town and to like, giving their kids over so he could work on the death in a, in a slave mine somewhere. Oh, 100%. <laughs> no. Yeah. It was, mm, I don't know. Um, how are we going to go through any more synopsis? Cause we did tell a lot of the story without telling too much, which is kind of cool. Cause it leaves it open for people to watch the movie and see if they agree with our ratings or not. But do we want to rate these? We're going to rate them individually, right? We are going to rate them individually. I didn't know if maybe we wanted to wait till the end whenever we'd summed up uh, the Netflix series to kind of like give our overall impression because mine like, you know, is kind of like a stacked review in that sense. But, I, you know, whatever you want to do in that in that regard. Uh, that's hard for me because, yes, I do 100% agree with that. You know, like we should do all three of them. The hard part is, and I'm going to spoil this right now, is that I really don't think that anything compares to the Netflix version. No, not not at all. That's why I was not, like, okay, I mean, maybe we should throw a review. And we also are going to bring the hubs in, and he's not reviewing the movies with okay, us. He's not- yeah, that's a good point. Well, I'll go ahead in that case. The only thing I was going to say about the, the older movie, uh, just throwing one more thing out there for it, the, the beating on the wall and stuff like that, it, just like you said, I do agree that it allows you to play your own imagination. What's out there? What What's trying to break into the room? I, there's aspects that I love a lot better than that, that horrible Cro-Magnon CGI that they had going on in the new movie. Yeah. Um, so for the 1963 movie, I'm giving it out a three out of five. Now I'm going to, I'm going to preface this by saying this movie was higher in my estimation a few years ago. Then there was a little series that came out on Netflix called the Haunting of Hill house and it put this movie to shame. So I had to drop it down. So this movie was (laughs) higher, but it's a three for me now. The old movie, the 1999 remake is a 2.5 and it was lower. I used to think this movie was a, was a one or or less because I hated the fuck out of this movie and I'm watching it recently. (laughs) It's not great but I appreciate a few more things about it. Uh, one more thing I want to throw in about overblown the, in the night in the dark, which is in all three of these, which is a line from the, the, uh, the actual story where, you know, Mrs. Dudley is telling that to some person who is, you know, coming to the house, you know, she has that famous line and I'll read that, you know, the whole line as when we go into the, the Netflix series, um, they make fun of it in the new movie by repeating it like three or four times yes. and it starts and it, it just becomes such a parody. And I'm like that the words are so good that Shirley Jackson wrote and you are just, you're ruining them by like just making the, the woman who's telling them into a joke. Like yeah. they have Nell laughing as she's repeating it. Yeah. I mean, I thought I got that a little bit. Well, no, I think she was a little bit more serious in the first one film when she repeated it after the lady had said it to the character that was not Catherine Zeta, but was supposed to be the hot version in the old film. Yeah. Yeah. Theodore. Yeah. Theo, if you will. So yeah. Any, do you have anything else on the reviews? Uh, no, it's just a three for the old one, two and a half for the, the new one. So, okay. So I, in case people don't listen to every single one of our shows, I'm going to reiterate that I do not like old films. Um, I don't. <laughs> And so, but I will give them the time and respect that they deserve because I always have to tell myself, you got to remember the times that it was in. And I think that The Haunting 1963 tells a really good story, like I said, through the acting and through the script. 
the scenery is a whole other thing. I, I don't. It wasn't that it wasn't important. It's just that there wasn't as much to see. I really did it like. It wasn't as elaborate. Exactly. It wasn't as elaborate. Still a beautiful house. You know, they, they, I think they just did a really good job in general of, you know, saying certain things like, for instance, when they were talking about the type of plates and how fancy they were, stuff like that. It was, it's so minor, but it's things that kind of draw or build. It do, does a little bit of world building of what we're kind of dealing in terms of a house that is technically a castle, you know? Um, yeah. because it did such a good job telling the story. And also because I got a lot of this from the Netflix series, this movie would have been a one or two for me, but it went up to a three, um, absolute snooze fest of a film <laughs> in my opinion. Cause you know, how I am, where's the action, where's the drama, where's the horror. Um, as long as it's not zombies, of course. Um, but yeah, so it went up from, like I said, down from a one, it went up to a three. So that's an improvement. Now I used to love the second one. Not, I wouldn't say love, but I had a little bit more of appreciation for it. And it was more after, again, after watching Netflix that fucked it up for us (laughs) or made it better. However you want to look at it, it, it's like it just, it did too much. Kind of like you said, there was way too much scenery. Who would have thought that that would have been a thing? Like, oh my God, I'm seeing too much right now. And not enough storytelling. Um, the scenery alone, yeah, there was some good, maybe one or two scary moments. Um, I liked the hand coming through the door. It looked cheap, but it was there. Um, the statue that grabbed you know, the doctor and threw him into the bloody water. That was cool. Mm -hmm. Again, I've seen better graphics, but, and then of course, Owen Wilson, rest in peace with his fucking head getting lopped off. by (laughs) the. That was a good scene. Yes. So it had those scenes in it. And those were the things that I remembered. And I was like, oh, this is a good film. But then after hearing the storytelling that was in the first film and kind of comparing that, I'm like, eh, this would have been a four. And it drops down to about a two and a half. So I think we're like, we're, two for two on our ratings right there <laughs> we're yeah we're, we're synced up and it's kind of funny because we moved from different spots to get there but <laughs> but they're at the same place yeah so again this movie too after watching it a second time also absolutely a snooze fest even with <laughs> the scenes that i mentioned that were pretty cool I was like, it was it was like i was dead inside so you know I, I, I didn't well, and, have that and, same feeling. And one thing, one thing that I want to throw out there is the endings of the movie are completely different. Like the one builds up the drama at the end of it, the old movie. Yeah. Uh, given how it ends, and in the new movie, literally Catherine Zeta-Jones and Liam Neeson just walk out, thousand yard stare. Yeah. And then you get the <laughs> shitty Jerry Goldsmith, uh, Goldsmith music, and that's it. I and did it's just like. I did like what Mr. Dudley said where he's like, did you find what you were looking for, doctor? And he said it in a very mocking tone, like, hey, this house isn't yeah. to be fucked with. Um, and the F- look funny on thing the face. about that, that guy who, who's Mr. Dudley in the new movie uh-huh. is uh, one of the, Bruce Stern, who's uh, one of the best parts of that uh, the old uh, movie, The Burbs, with uh, Tom Hanks. Oh, like, I remember. You know, the serial killer in the, neighbor, in the suburban neighborhood. He, uh, the, the guy who plays Mr. Dudley in the new movie is like kind of like this uh, soldier uh, cop, uh, uh, ex-soldier type character who's, who lives down the road and like he's you know and it's kind of funny to see him in, a, in that role i love we're gonna have to review that film where, where would that film go human horror 
uh, human horror. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's yeah. that's gonna and be probably a the comedy episode of it, like the you know the the April Fool's version. One hundred percent. Okay, now this is a surprise. This is probably one of the fastest reviews we've ever done in our whole fucking seasons ever. Are we ready to move on to Netflix? Haunting of Hill House. We are. We are ready to move on. <laughs> 